All right, hello, Christ community. Uh, welcome uh, to all of you. Greetings to our 15th Street campus and our West campus and our traditions venue, as well as those who are watching online or on our app. We are so glad that all of you are joining us. We are a church that is all about seeing people's stories change, seeing God change people's stories. That's what he does. In our lives, that's what he specializes in, right? He changes people's stories. And next week, we have a really cool opportunity to celebrate change stories during our worship services next weekend. After the teaching, we're going to be celebrating baptism. So let me take just a moment here and, and, and talk about baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is a very important symbol of salvation. It is not a way to get saved. It is not a way to get closer to God. It is not a way to have your sins forgiven. That, that all happens when you place your trust in Jesus. So we are not saved by any religious work we do, including baptism. We are saved by faith in Jesus. But once we've experienced that salvation through faith in Christ, Jesus commands us to be baptized as a way to publicly declare our faith in him. It is not optional. It's not about whether or not you feel like it. The Bible is clear. Every believer in Jesus is to be baptized. So if you are a believer in Jesus, maybe you recently placed your faith in Christ through an alpha course or something, or maybe you've been a believer in him for a long time, but you've never been baptized. It's time. Okay. It is time. Maybe you were baptized as an infant, which was more about your parents' desire for you than it was about your faith. So this is your opportunity to publicly declare your faith in Jesus. So if any of those things apply to you, we urge you to be baptized next week. After each of our services this weekend at both of our campuses, there will be a brief 45-minute orientation that we would like you to attend if you are considering being baptized. So it's going to be a great weekend. There's a baptism brochure in your newsletter this week that has lots more information, and it also has a form that you need to fill out um, uh, if you're going to be baptized and you can fill that form out during the orientation. Okay, so I just got back from a trip to Kenya, Africa, um, as a part of a team from Christ Community. We had the amazing privilege of providing some leadership and theological training for about 60 church planters. So here's a picture of the students in my class. Um, many of these church planters are working in very difficult areas, very difficult villages where there's a great deal of opposition to the gospel. These people are my heroes. They are my heroes. They love Jesus. They are spreading his word, but they don't have a lot of opportunity. They don't have any opportunity really for biblical training, which is where we as a church come in. We provide a seminary on wheels that we call ITI or International Training Institute. And, and it, w w our church has done dozens of these ITIs around the world. So re we, we recently had a team in Peru. We had a team in Austria. Then we had our team in, in, in Kenya. And then some of those folks and some others met and they went to Egypt. So they've been doing an ITI in Egypt teaching over 100 leaders so this trip to Kenya was a very vivid and a personal reminder to me of how important our For the City and Beyond vision is. For the City and Beyond, if you want more information about our For the City and Beyond vision, there are packets in the lobby. But God is changing people's stories in significant ways. I mean, I think of the students I just met, like Amos and Imal and Elizabeth and Margaret. 
See, your financial gifts and your involvement in For the City and Beyond are impacting their lives and the lives of many others. And so I'm so grateful to be a part of a church like ours with a vision like ours. Now, here, here's what I'm discovering, and maybe you're discovering this too. I, I know that many of you are. As, as we pursue this vision together, this For the City and Beyond vision together, God is also changing our hearts. He's not just changing other people. He's changing our hearts. He is shifting our hearts toward him to care about the things that he cares about. See, the God that we serve and love has an absolutely amazing heart. Did you know that? <laughs> he has an amazing heart, especially toward people that we typically forget, T people that we typically overlook. He, God, doesn't forget them. And he wants to make sure that we, his people, don't forget them either. And so today, we are starting a three-week teaching series entitled, Not Forgotten. And each week in this three-part series, we're going to be looking at scripture and discovering one of these often forgotten groups of people, making sure that in our hearts, they are not forgotten. So if you have your Bible or iPad or smartphone with a Bible app or whatever, flip to turn to whatever, go to Luke chapter nine, where we are introduced to one of these groups of people. This introduction comes as a result of a conversation that the disciples are having kind of apart from Jesus, and they're talking about one of their favorite subjects. Okay. So look with me at verse 46. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest, okay? This is their favorite subject to talk about, themselves, okay? So this here is human nature on display. This is so often the lens through which we view the world. We view the world through the, and, and just life through the lens of me, my agenda, my ability, my greatness compared to everyone else, right? We all do this, jockeying for position, establishing a pecking order of value in our own minds. And here's the problem, as Jesus will point out here. When we do this, when we view the world this way, when we do this, we miss God's heart completely. We completely miss God's value system. And so Jesus seizes this moment for a very important lesson about God's heart. Verse 47. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest." So in the middle of this conversation with these 12 guys arguing about who is the greatest, boasting about their own achievements, Jesus just gently takes hold of the hand of a little child, maybe a three or four-year-old, and he has this child stand right beside him. And then he says, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Think about that. Think about what he is saying. How we treat the little ones among us is how we treat Jesus. That's what he's saying. When we welcome and care for children, we are caring for Jesus. And when we don't welcome 
and we don't care for children, we are doing the same thing to Jesus. See, this is more than just a lesson about the values of the kingdom, although it is that. It is more than that. This is a window into the heart of God. This is a window into the heart of God. Our God values children. They are precious to him. Do we view them that way? I mean, we can say we do, but do we really? Do we live in such a way that shows that we value children? You know, often we are just like the disciples, right? So focused on our own greatness, our own career, our own agenda, that children sort of get overlooked or ignored or dismissed. I mean, how many times do we see a parent or us, if we're honest, how many times do we see a parent with a child at the park or at a restaurant and the parent is looking at Facebook on their phone the whole time as the child is trying to talk to them and the parent, uh-huh, 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 not listening at all. Do we value children the way God does? Do we see them the way he does? D.L. Moody was a, an evangelist in the 1800s. He came home one night after one of his uh, uh, teaching, one of his crusades or whatever, and, and uh, one of his speaking engagements. He came home exhausted um, after one of his events. He, he crawled into bed. His wife, Emma, was already asleep. And when he crawled into bed, she kind of woke up and, and, and she just kind of murmured to him. So how did it go tonight? And Moody said, ah, pretty well, two and a half converts. And so she lay silently for a moment, and then she said, oh, that's sweet. How old was the child? Moody answered, no, 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 it was two children and one adult. The children have their whole lives in front of them. The adult's life is already half gone. Interesting perspective. Do we value children the way God values children? Do we see them the way God does? Not as an afterthought, not as an interruption, not as a lower priority than our own agendas, but as greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> as greatest in the kingdom. I mean, children can teach us so much about what God values. I mean, their simple faith, their innocence, their open-hearted love, their total lack of self-consciousness. I mean, my wife and I marvel at our youngest son and how he doesn't have one self-conscious bone in his body. He doesn't care what people think. Think. He doesn't care if he's being slow and other people's lives are being uh, impacted by that. He doesn't care if he has bad breath or if he has ketchup all over his face or his hair is messed up. He does not care. He lives his life fully as himself without worrying what other people think. And I often wonder, what would it be like for one day for me to live like Joshua? <laughs> what would it look like for me to live one day without comparing myself to others and without worrying about what other people think of me? Children, they, they give us a window into what God values. 
but, but they do more than that. Children also give us a window into the compassion of God. You see, children are more vulnerable than adults in terms of physical size, in terms of cognition, in terms of ability. I mean, they're just more vulnerable. So Wes Stafford, um, CEO of, of Compassion International, he describes this so powerfully um, in, in, in a book he's written. He writes this, when hunger and famine strike a nation, adults become weak and hungry, but it is the children who most often starve to death. When disease arrives with all of its fury, adults can become very sick but the first to die are usually the children. When war erupts over ethnicity or boundary lines, it is the littlest victims that pay the most tragic price. The wars of the last decade killed more children than soldiers. A little closer to home, he writes, is the reality that children are the, sa the sacrificial lambs when our homes break up through neglect, or anger, addiction, or hostility, and eventually divorce. Kids frequently blame themselves for the destruction, carrying deep scars on their innocent spirits for a lifetime. See, God's heart goes out to children as a loving father's heart would go out to children because they're more vulnerable. He cares about children who are neglected, who are abused. He cares about children who are orphans. Those, they are very much on his heart. In Psalm 68, David is urging us, as he often does, to worship the Lord and to rejoice in the Lord. And he then gives a specific reason for doing that very thing. Look at Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Why should we praise God? Because this incredible, holy, awesome God who is creator, who is Lord, is also a God who is a father to the fatherless. God cares deeply for children in need. He advocates for them. He seeks to protect them. He wants to provide for them and to see that they have hope and, and joy and life. I mean, if anyone should get a pass on this, it would be God. I mean, seriously, if anyone got a pass on this, it would be God, but he doesn't take a pass. In fact, he sets the standard. He wants our heart to reflect his heart. And that, that truth is so powerfully reiterated, then reiterated in the New Testament in the book of James, verse 27. Look with me at this verse. In fact, let's, let's read this verse out loud together. Here we go. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is such a fascinating statement. The word religion, it really means worship. Worship. James is saying, hey, here's what authentic, genuine worship before God looks like. And the first item on his list has to do with children in need. Looking after orphans. This is an act of supreme worship to God to look after a child who has no family. 
I mean, talk about being vulnerable, right? A child without a family, an orphan, is, is the most vulnerable position of all. I mean, no one to love them, to feed them, to care for them, to listen to them, to tuck them in at night, to come to their soccer match or their graduation. I mean, these basic fundamental needs that every human being has, they're basic fundamental needs every human being has, and yet so many children don't have that. They don't even have these fundamental needs. And, our, and God's heart is broken by that. On my flight back from Nairobi um, a, a week ago last Friday, um, I sat next to a 23-year-old girl who had just spent six weeks in an orphanage in Kenya, and she told me about a week-old baby that had been left on the side of the road in Nairobi. Someone had brought this baby, week-old, to the orphanage. He had bruises on his legs. He had scratches on his arms, his wrists. His parents had just thrown him away like trash. She had the privilege of, of caring for him and even naming him. His name is Dean, because her name's Nadine. So she named him Dean. You see, Dean matters to God. He matters to God. His heart breaks for Dean. He loves him, and he loves the other 143 million orphans around the world. They are not forgotten by him. Right now in America, there are over 400,000 children in the foster care system. 100,000 of them are ready and waiting to be adopted into a forever family. See, our God is the God who cares about each one of these children, and he wants our hearts to reflect his heart. He wants us to care for them the way he does. Okay, so what can we do? What can we do? I mean, these numbers feel overwhelming, and they can sometimes cause us to lapse into a state of apathy. I mean, with numbers that big, what difference can I make? But we need to remember, God doesn't ask us to solve this problem. He doesn't ask us to solve the problem. He just asks us to reflect his heart, right? He asks us to reflect his heart, to care about this the way he cares about these children. He wants us to engage this need in our city and around the world the way he does. He wants us to be for our city and beyond by being for children in need. So what might that look like? Well, in Psalm 68, um, not only do we see a window into God's heart, we also see his strategy. This is fascinating. We see how he wants his people to engage in this need. Look, look again at what David says in this psalm. He says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. There's his strategy. God sets the lonely in families. See, God's answer to the needs of orphans in this city and our world is to set them in family. It's to somehow get them into a loving family situation. Now, in our community and in Weld County here, this can play out in a, in a few different ways. One is through our foster care system. In the last two years in Weld County, oh, they, they received over 1,400 calls um, about reporting abuse or neglect. 1,400 calls, over 1,400 calls in, in Well County. So then when an investigation 
reveals that indeed this child is in danger. There's an abusive, neglectful situation. That child needs a safe place, a safe family to go into. And that's where foster care families become so important. These children's world, if you can imagine, if you're an eight-year-old or a 14-year-old, whatever, or a three-year-old, the, their world is thrown into chaos. And often it's related to drug abuse, alcohol abuse by parents. And they need a stable, loving family to protect them, to advocate for them, and to provide for them in their time of need. I mean, some of the greatest heroes in our church and in this city are foster parents who have chosen, they have chosen to open their home to a child in this way. It is not an easy road. There are challenges, there are obstacles that are unique in every situation. I'm just so proud of these families. I'm so proud of these families that are willing to reflect God's heart in this way and to walk this path of sacrificial love. It's amazing. Now, in some cases with foster care, it's a, it's a very short-term thing. The child is just placed there until things get stabilized here and then can go back in. So sometimes it's a short term, so other times it's long term. But either way, it is a vitally important ministry that, 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 that represents a significant need in our city. Huge need. So for some of you, perhaps God is stirring your heart to explore becoming foster parents. Um, we, we have some information in the lobby that can help you explore that. You can also call just Weld County and connect with, with people there uh, about foster parenting. But foster parenting isn't the only way to help orphans in our community. You could also support those who are foster care parents, right? So you could, for instance, you could provide a few hours of child care could make a huge difference in a foster parent's life. High school, college students, you can babysit for a foster family. E-groups, you can partner with a foster family. Um, getting to know their specific needs, helping with meals, running errands, helping with maintenance on their cars or homes or whatever. And, and, and anyone, anyone that's old enough can become a certified Weld County respite provider and give a family more extended break. So then you could get certified and come in and, and take care of these kids for a couple days so the parents could get a much needed break. So that's one, that's one area, just respite, that, those kinds of things. We, we also have another cool opportunity in this area of foster care to partner with a, a wonderful ministry called Royal Family Kids. Now, this is a week-long faith-based camp for Weld County, just for Weld County kid, foster kids this summer. It's in late June. There's a week designated for Weld County. So many of these kids have never been out of Greeley. And so in this week-long experience, they go to a camp, they're able to get away, they're able to have fun, they're able to be in nature and learn about God and be loved on by volunteers. Plus, the family gets some respite time, some respite care. So we are, we're partnering with, with um, Royal Family Kids. We're looking for volunteers that would be willing to help with this week-long camp next summer. So we have some representatives from that organization here in our 15th Street lobby. They would love to visit with you after the service, um, after the service today. What might happen as we allow God to set our hearts to be for foster children in our city? What a difference we can make in the life of a foster child. Now, there's another way to be a part of God's Psalm 68 strategy for orphans, and that is to adopt a child. 
to adopt a child. Adoption is the process whereby a child who has no family is welcomed into a permanent family, chosen to be a part of this new family forever. Adoptive families are another group of heroes to me. Amazing. The incredible sacrifice and love demonstrated towards a child in, in, in desperate need is such a testimony of the heart of God. It, it really is an amazing miracle of sorts. I mean, in, to one moment be an orphan and the next moment to be a member, a permanent member of a family. Wow. I mean, what an incredible and life-changing gift. I remember last Christmas Eve uh, morning, having the privilege of being in the courtroom um, when my friends Phil Grizzle, who's our executive pastor, and his wife Nicole, welcomed into their family Cody, for whom they had been foster parents for over two years, and now they were adopting him. And it was an amazing moment on Christmas Eve, an appropriate time. The judge and the lawyers and the child advocates and people from social services, all of us, family, friend, we were all in tears. Um, I mean, in one brief moment, this child who had no hope, really, really difficult situation of neglect and all of that, this child went from being an orphan to being adopted, to being a son and having a family forever. It was so cool to see the playing out of Psalm 68, God's strategy. God sets the lonely in families. Now, over the last 10 years or so, as we as a church have been talking about adoption and God's heart for adoption, we have seen dozens and dozens of children adopted by Christ Community Families. International adoptions, domestic adoptions, foster adoption. It has been so cool. We have families that are right now on a waiting list for a child, either foster or, or um, international or domestic. Others are exploring adoption or they're exploring foster adoption. I got an email uh, just a few uh, last week, actually, from a Christ Community family who, after months of waiting, months of waiting, finally brought home their new baby, and they are so excited. So how might you go about exploring adoption if you're thinking, eh, I may be willing to at least explore this? We have a specific ministry here called Forever Families. They meet the, uh, the first Saturday of every month, um, and in it are people who are at various stages in this journey. So people who have walked the journey, people who are exploring all these things. So our Forever Families Ministry, they have a table set up in the lobby. They'd love to visit with you about next steps and to point you. They, they have a lot of access to organizations and agencies to work with. We also, I want to say, we also have representatives from Project 127 here at our 15th Street campus this weekend, which is a, Project 127 is a Colorado organization that focuses solely on foster adoption. So right now, there are about 280 foster children in Colorado who are available to be adopted. That number used to be like 700. Um, I don't know when Project 127 started, but it was about nine, 10 years ago, I think. It was about 700. So that number has come down significantly, but there's still 280 children. And so Project 127 can give you some information about what foster adoption looks like. And if some of you have thought about adoption, but the costs, you've thought, oh, there's no way I can do $18,000, $20,000, check out Project 127, the foster adopt, because it is inexpensive to do that. Financially inexpensive, okay? <laughs> there are other costs, but uh, you, you get what I'm talking about. If that's a barrier, check out Project 127. 
Now, what if you're not feeling God's tug to adopt or to foster a child or whatever, but you still want to engage in this area in a way that reflects God's heart? I already talked about, you know, things like um, babysitting and an e-group adopting a foster family. But there's another incredibly powerful way to be for at-risk children in our city, and that is through Kids Hope, our Kids Hope Mentoring Program. So many children in our community are in, in family situations that are not healthy, where, where their physical or emotional needs are, are being neglected. And you can make a difference in the life of an at-risk child by spending one hour a week with them, tutoring them. There are children right now at Maplewood who have requested a Kids Hope tutor, but we don't have enough tutors, so they're on a waiting list. Um, we've had to say no. We don't, we don't have enough tutors. And so if you're interested in exploring that, you can check out the insert today. And in that, the Kids Hope is mentioned, and Roseanne Holman's email is, is listed there, and you can, you can email her um, to find out more information. I mean, so many kids just need someone to love them. I mean, even, even just minister, children's ministry or, or our C3 youth ministry. I mean, many of those kids, just being a volunteer can make a huge difference in the life of a child that maybe doesn't get much affirmation and love in their, in their family situation. And by all means, something all of us can do frequently is to pray, right? Pray for healing for these children who are being neglected. These children who have been thrown aside, like, like Dean, or, or have been neglected because of addictions or whatever, and just their lives have been thrown into chaos. Pray for them. Pray for these children who are waiting to be adopted. 280 just in, our, in Colorado, foster children. And I, I would challenge all of us to add to our prayer list. You have a, maybe you have a prayer list you use. Add to that list families that, that you know who are fostering or you know have adopted, and, and, and that they would be sustained, they would be encouraged, God, God's grace would be upon them. Pray for those families. You know them, and I know them. Put them on our prayer list. So we've put together an insert in your newsletter today. You can pull out and look at it, just highlighting some of the ways for us to be for, as a church, we want to be for orphan children in our city and our world. All of these ministries, all these scriptures, they, they, they point to this one desire. We want to be a church that is for children. That is for children in need. A church that cares for orphans. A church that cares for children in need, both in this city and around the world. Realizing that how, remember this, how we welcome children, how we care for children is a reflection of how we treat Jesus. So the key question is this. What might God be calling you and me to in order to more fully reflect his heart? for children in our lives and in our community. What is God saying? Folks, it, it is not about changing millions of stories. It's about each of us changing one story. As, as we kind of transition into prayer, I want us to watch a video that we've put together of some families at Christ Community in this journey of opening their hearts and their homes to children in need. Let's watch this. We're the rights. We started doing foster care about four years ago. And since then, we have had 27 kids live in our home. Right now, it's us. We have two biological daughters, one eight and one two, and five foster children. We're the Morrises. I'm Dustin, and this is... Christy. 
we have a birth child, and then we have uh, an adopted son from Korea, and an adopted daughter from China, and another adopted son from Ethiopia. My name is Carrie. And I'm Nick Armitage. We're certified, we're uh, just waiting. We're just elated for this opportunity, and the doors for us have opened so easily in this process that it just, it has. It feels, I mean, it feels like it's completely God because we haven't gotten anything slammed in our face. We've started this journey 13 years ago. The process for each adoption that we've had has been vastly different. International adoption is like being set up on a permanent blind date and you're assigned a child to love in your family forever from a different country, and it's amazing. In the beginning, there's a lot of it's not knowing what to expect from each kid. Um, you never know what they will have with them. It could be just the clothes off their back. Um, they could have a backpack of a, of a few things. The average age of a child in the system is eight, um, but these kids start off without a normal upbringing. They didn't get the start in life to equip them to feel valued. Their parents did not take care of them. They, um, you know, would be gone for days at a time or they weren't, they weren't given the basic necessities of life. And they need a mom to cook them dinner and tuck them into bed, and a dad who will play catch with them. They need that more than we need to protect ourselves from attaching to them. You have to think, like, these kids do hard stuff every day, so in the end, it's, we'll do hard stuff with you. We'll hold your hand, and by the grace of God, we'll make it through. We will love you, whether it's for the rest of your life, or for the three months you're in our home. We understand that there's a possibility that whatever child gets placed with us or children may not be with us forever. They may go back home. Um, and we have accepted that that's part of the process. It's part of the risk of your heart when you get into this. And it's worth the risk um, to be able to love on them and to know that you may be the only glimpse of Jesus that they may ever get, it makes it completely worth it. You see multiple people in the Bible who were adopted and how we're adopted into God's family through salvation. And just that, that excitement that this is what God designed me for. This is what God designed us for. This is why God brought us together. This is his, his plan, his purpose. This is the fulfillment of you know what he says is pure religion. These kids come into our home feeling unloved and uncared for, and they leave knowing that not only we have love, we love them and will care for them forever, but they have learned God's love. You know, a lot of people will say that you guys are such uh, amazing people for adopting, but we're the ones who are really blessed to have those kids in our lives. That. Our family wouldn't be complete without them. Adoption is the hardest thing we have ever done. But I think through walking through the hardships, you become closer. And it's become one of the best things that we have ever done as well.
and I can't imagine our family being different. We feel very strongly that every child deserves to be loved and to feel loved and to feel that somebody wants to witness their life, wants to care about them, wants to make sure they get fed, they go to school, that they have a childhood. Every child deserves a childhood. And that's why we're here. Let's pray. Every child deserves to be loved. God, thank you for being a God who loves children. And thank you for inviting us to be instruments of your love to them. So we, we together, we pray. We pray for orphans everywhere around the world. We pray for orphans in our community, for the 280 in our, in our state. We pray for them. We pray for your blessing upon them. We pray for your strategy to be at work in their lives. They would be placed in a family. We pray for their hearts in the midst of the trauma and the chaos that they're often thrown into because of their parents dying from AIDS in Africa or just because of their parents being addicted and neglecting them or whatever, Lord. We just, we pray for their hearts, for your healing and your love for them, to be known in them. And we pray too right now for our response. Well, what are you asking us to do, Lord? I want you to take just a moment as, um, as a part of our prayer. This is just a part of our engagement with the Lord, but we're going to put a slide up here. Each of these are children, um, orphans. And I want you just to take a moment and just look, look at them, maybe pick one of them, just look at them, look into their eyes if they're looking at the camera that way. And, and, and let's just ask, how does God see that child? And God, what do you want us to do in response to these children in need? For each one of us here, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, none of us get a pass on this question. <laughs> how do you want us to respond to this need? Lord, maybe it's just to begin praying about this. Maybe it's to help an adoptive family. Maybe it's to volunteer at the Royal Family Kids Camp next summer. Maybe it's to consider, just start having a conversation about foster parenting. Because maybe your home is 
Maybe our home is empty now. There are no kids there. So maybe it's to explore foster parenting. Maybe it's to consider adoption. So God, for all of us here, we're asking you, what do you want us to do? What, what is the next step you want us to take? Each one of us here. So that individually as a church, we would reflect your heart to be for children in me. God, I want to pray that we would not, we would keep asking this question of you. I pray for those who are exploring adoption, you'd, who are maybe even now just kind of thinking about this, you would guide them and lead them, Lord. Mm. <clears throat> what I want to do um, right now is I want us to just to take a moment and pray for um, any families here that are adoptive families you've adopted or you're in the process or you're exploring that or maybe you're fostering you're, um, or foster adopting or you're waiting for a foster child you're, you're, or you're in the process of getting um, certified for that. Um, would you stand if that applies to any of you here? If you would just stand. Are there any adoptive families here? And if there are, um, or foster families, and if you're around these folks, would you just kind of move real quickly over to them? Let's just um, lay hands on them as a, as a body here, and let me lead us in prayer. So, Father, you see these families, and we just pray for them. You know where they're at in this whole process. And we want to pray your encouragement. We want to pray your grace upon them, Lord that you would provide for their every need. Lord, we pray for these parents. Your grace would be upon them. You would give them wisdom. You would give them love when they're not sure they know how to love anymore. And so we thank you for their willingness to open their homes and their hearts to children in need, and we pray your blessing on them, Lord. Thank you for them, God. Okay, you can go ahead and sit down. And God, we pray that our hearts would be open. You'd be speaking to us about how you want us to respond. And we, we just do, we, we know you, you don't forget children and we don't want to forget them either. And so help us in whatever, whatever children we come across in our own family and our, as volunteering in different things, maybe Kids Hope or whatever it is, Lord, we just pray that our eyes would be opened and to value children the way you do. So thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love for us. Continue to help us as a church before the children in need in our city. So why don't we stand? We're going to respond to the truth of God's word now with some songs of worship. So whatever campus you're at, why don't you stand? And Jesus set us free to worship you. And I pray that our hearts, even as we sing, we would, we would be open to your leading in this area, Lord. We love you. We love you, God. Thank you, Lord.